brand new day another day when so much can happen in 24 hours at the world's biggest bike race la tour de france hello again from the domestiques thanks for joining us stage six of the tour has been contested the second day in the pyrenees and we'll chew the fat in what promises to be a packed episode of the world's best cycling podcast i say that with hand on heart and we've got a great special guest coming up i'm mike tomolaris Matilda Reynolds and uh, Lee Hollywood-Turner are with us as always. G'day, team. Hey, Mark. Morning. Hey, team. Special guest well, today. I've been saying it all week. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been saying it all week. But what, what an amazing tour it's been. Every day brings something new and different, and Stage 6 was no different. Look, uh, let's bring in our special guest. No point having him hang around in the abyss. I'll give him a big intro. Not that he needs one. Um, he's a former Tour de France yellow jersey wearer. He's a multiple Tour de France stage winner, a conqueror of the Paris-Roubaix, an Olympic gold medalist for the Madison, a two-time winner of the Tour Down Under. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. These days, he's the race director of the TDU. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, grandmas and grandpas, that's me, Stuart O'Grady, come on down. Hi, Stuart. Thank you. Thank you. That's a lovely Thanks intro, joining us. Tomo. Wow. Thanks, no mate. Uh, where, where exactly are you in the Pyrenees? Um, in the beautiful city town of Lourdes. Mm-hmm. Yes, if you've ever been here. Um, I have been here, and my memories of Lourdes are when uh, staying in uh, one-star accommodation, the musky smell <laughs> of bodies that may have laid there in uh, generations past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that what it truth. is <laughs> exactly of course it's a spiritual place it's the place where mm. uh, catholics um well they 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 pray and congregate perhaps yeah they congregate correct <laughs> but listen uh, i just got to ask you first and foremost what are your thoughts of the first six days of this tour de france it's certainly different yeah look it's been an absolute cracker um all i get the first thing is i'm really glad i'm retired because i swear every year i come to the tour de france i go this is getting more and more insane I, my rule book which i once thought i had a little bit of an inkling of some kind of knowledge of of you know tactics in the tour de france is well burnt and and thrown over into the ravine and every day i, I really struggling to understand a lot of the tactics but i do know it's been incredible to be here on the ground um it's been great to be back around the big crowds. I mean, the Basque country was just going off. Uh, you know, it's it's one thing to be, you know, obviously sitting at home watching on TV going, how good is this? But when you actually hear the noise that the fans are making, I mean, how good is it to be travelling again um, and back at big bike races? So, you know, today we're up on the Tourmalet. Uh, watch yesterday, we were um, at the finish in Laroon to watch Jai Hindley cross the line and, not only wow. do the double whammy uh, stage win and take the yellow. So it's just, um, yeah, it's been some really historic moments to be here. 
And what's the vibe on the grounds, Julia? I've heard different things on it being it was quite like a re- bit of a relaxed vibe a little bit in Spain, but I, I, I'm the fans have just been absolutely nuts. Like it was terrifying to watch some of the fans in the Pyrenees <laughs> today running at the riders as the cars had sort of gone through. And yeah, how is it on the ground? Yeah, look, it's been a bit mixed. I mean, the weather hasn't been too crash hot, to be honest, especially in Basque country. It was a lot of rain. Um, mate, we had torrential rain like I was up in Noosa. Uh, you know, it was it, the place is green for a reason. There was a lot of rain about, um, which may have kept the crowds away. Team presentation, obviously, you know, you're standing at the Guggenheim and getting bucketed on. So that's probably been a little bit to do with it. But the Spanish have also have a really good knack of popping out when the race comes past um and so when the race actually does come past the the crowds have been pretty good but you know stage one uh we rolled out from the start line the other day and the numbers were, were were really big so it's it's been a really good buzz I find it emotional to think of you being at the finish line there for uh, Jai Hindley because I actually listened to a podcast of him ages ago and he actually named you as like the person he watched to inspire as, you know, watching you at the Tour de France when he was six or seven years old and, <laughs> and you know, wanting to do And so apart from making you feel well, old, okay. like that would have yeah. been pretty amazing. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. And, you know, what it uh, gives me goosebumps just thinking that kind of stuff because Jai is such a down-to-earth um, gentleman. I mean, he's just like a, a, a kid, you know, that's, that's all I can say. He's just, you know, comes out and gets second, wins the Giro, probably didn't get the recognition, which I think yeah. he deserved. Um, you know, we'll, we win a grand tour and uh, and even here, he's been flying under the radar. Um, and then, you know, as soon as he got in that break the other day, uh, yesterday, you know, it was just that I thought that they were probably being a little bit generous in giving him the time. Um, I think we have to celebrate what he did before mm. we come out and, and, you know, kind of say what happened here and why didn't we do that? I think just celebrate the fact that he won a stage and got the yellow. Um, look, the gloves have been off in in the last couple of days. It's like we've been watching a UFC, well, a title fight, boxing match. You know, it's like bang, bang, and Pogachar again came out and, and did an almighty blow today. So um, it's amazing how quickly... Tour de France, you know, you're the king for the day and the next day you're back to being a pauper <laughs> or, you know what I mean? It's just, it's brutal. It's brutal. We were talking about the lack of respect that uh, Pogaccia and Vingegaard gave to Hendley, uh, Jai, when uh, he did uh, snare the yellow jersey and they allowed him to make up uh, so much time. Um, did you, f- well, th- th- there was no respect in stage six. I mean. Um, yeah, look, I think, I think it just went, you know, to see whenever Van Art's in a break, you know it's gone, you know, the breakaway's mm. got away through just pedal power. So I don't think it's a lack of respect. I think the race has just been out of control. You know, every, every, I just can't believe how hard they're going. We're on stage six and, you know, <laughs> look through the results. A couple of riders yeah. are an hour 50 behind already. Uh, you know, normally we, back in the day, you'd finish three hours behind at the end of a grand tour. That was a lot of time. Um, you know, it's like the, the peloton has already shattered um it's definitely been the hardest tour de france in history from the from the starting point of view they get one flat day what are they going to do they're going to roll along and make the most of it and then it's straight into the the pyrenees um it's just been absolutely brutal uh and you can already see the riders are uh, a knackered you know you can actually see them struggling uh look at alaphilippe you know getting a breakaway and Mm. they came past him today like you know not like he was a 
multiple world champion. It's been, it's amazing to watch. It's amazing to be here. It's amazing to be a fan and a spectator, but I certainly wouldn't want to be in the bunch. Do you think it's over now? It's just a two horse race between the two big dogs? Yeah, it's certainly looking that way. Um, I think unless, you know, again, Pogacar, I've got to be kind of careful because we're only after six stages. I don't want to make any assumptions. Mm. Um, There's a lot of know, climbing still to come. A lot can happen. A lot can happen, as we all know. This is a three-week race. Mm. Um, what happens in the last week dictates, you know, obviously what happens in Paris. It's almost like the guys are coming out and trying to, you know, put the throat, put the foot on the throat of the other one and then but not worrying about the consequences of what lays ahead. Mm. It's so entertaining, um, yeah. but at the moment it's a two-horse race. Yeah, it's well, um, you know. Let's talk about today's stage, Stewie, and what we saw today in the Pyrenees uh, was a real explosion. You talk about the brutality of of the racing so far. Um, I'll just set it up for you. The riders followed a course over the Col de Marie Blanc, the Col de Tourmalet, and it was completed with a summit finish at the Couteray Cambasque. Some of the highlights uh, for me was the way uh, Wout van Aert sacrificed himself from the get-go. I mean, he was out in front in a breakaway mm. until uh, 4.5 kilometres from the summit finish. He gave everything, absolutely yeah. everything, for his team leader, Jonas Vingegaard. Uh, Jai Hindley, he looked resplendent in the Mayo Jean from top to oh, toe, by the way, Hollywood. Yes, <laughs> All yes, yellow. Yes, yellow Thank bibs. You. I loved it. That's great. He looked he looked terrific, but he couldn't follow yeah, he uh, no. the two top guns, unfortunately. And on that final climb... Uh, the big boys were left to their own devices, but it was Pogacar who exploded inside the final four kilometres and produced a turn of speed, a turn of speed I guess we've all come to expect from the oh, Slovenian. Yeah. Uh, he won the stage, mm. uh, but not enough to move to the top of the leaderboard. Stewie? Yeah, look, I, I don't think anyone was expecting that. Lotto Jumbo, yeah. again, we just, you know, they're on a mission and, and they've been on a mission since stage one in Bilbao. Um, trying to win this stage and Van Aert's been out there giving it everything every day and I just wonder how long this can go for. I know his wife's pregnant, maybe he's um, and she's about to give birth, maybe that's in the back of his mind and they're just trying so hard to get that stage win before he flies off because he has said that he's going to go home. All credit to him. Um, but it's not doing too many favours for Vingegaard and his men because um, yeah, they keep going at this rate, anything could happen. But yeah, it's certainly been um, incredible watching the race unfold so far. Even though, Stewie, um, that uh, Vindegar went into yellow, it didn't quite, it, and obviously he came second, but it didn't quite feel like a win for Jumbo Visma today. I think they thought they saw yeah. a wee bit of weakness in Tade. They thought, let's get him while he's down. Uh, we'll exactly. knock him down. And I think um, putting Wout in that relay position of being able to come back, the effort that they did, I think they, like we all did, we totally underestimated there's something going on with Tade. His wrist is worse than we thought. Uh, and, um, you know, and, and in the end, you know, Podjikar fought back and, and really hit them, hit them across the nose sort of thing. So did mm. really feel like the momentum swung back to Tade and that's all he needs is a bit of a sniff of it, you know, and that excitement of attacking. Yeah, yeah I mean, and you saw that at, at the um, podium after and the behind the scenes, you could see it was almost like Pogacar was in a little bit of disbelief that, you know, when yeah. you saw him looking around, he's like, okay, mm. this you know, I don't really understand why they're going so deep. It can only be to try and really take, like you said, take control of the race and um, 
and you know knock the other one out. But then Pogacar turns around and sees on the back of Vingegaard and does one of his almighty you know accelerations, and it's that acceleration that just snaps, and he and he just seems to have this little thing over over mm. Vingegaard Pogacar, and um, yeah, like I keep saying for the fans. So, <laughs> whatever happens uh, in this tour, how do you rate Pogacar? I mean, you've been around a long, long time. You've seen many riders from different eras. Um, for me, he is the best thing I've ever seen. He is the modern day mm. Eddie Merckx. That's how I describe him. Yeah, and look, and, and I've got to say, um, I hate comparing anyone to Eddie Merckx, um, but look, he, he is all class, that's for sure. I mean, what he did today was just pure A plus genetic athleticism at its finest. I mean, he should not have won that today, really. Um, wrist injury or not, all that went out the window. He wasn't worrying about his wrist when he attacked. And and I think that's that's just the quality of the guy. Um, never underestimate him. And I think that can all but also be a downfall when, when you're trying to get that knockout blow so early in the race. You're putting all your teammates on the front. You know, there's only so many bullets you can shoot in a gunfight. And at the moment, I think there's a lot of bullets being shot around and uh, hopefully there's going to be a few left for the last week. <laughs> Do you uh, think you can get him to the TWU to light up Mulunga Hill next year? <laughs> I'm working on it, Hollywood. I'm working on it. I'm working on a lot of things. Um, what, yeah. can, you, can, can, you, uh, can you tell us, Shui, what you are working on for the TWU? Yeah, I love the TDU. Well, you know, the, the stages are announced. It was fantastic mm-hmm. that we got them out just before I hopped on a plane to come over here. I thought that was really important that we get that out before the, the Tour de France kind of dominates the cycling world. And, um, you know, the team back home have done an incredible job. You wouldn't really, well, I'm sure you do believe how hard it is to, to yeah. get everything out this early. Um, it takes a massive partnership with the South Australian government, with councils, with the police force with everything to get it out there so quickly. Um, but that gives me the ability now to come to Europe and, and talk openly about the stages and mm-hmm. with the women's and men's teams. And, and you know, although the Tour de France is going on, um, because the teams are so professional these days, they're already thinking about uh, what they're doing next year. And as we know, at the end of the Tour de France, what dictates 2024... Um, is what you've done mm. in the Tour de France. So, uh, look, a lot of conversations uh, um, will be had and have been had. Um, mm. You know, it's it's great to be over here and be able to have the connections and, and bump into, you know, the cycling world. Yeah, so you know, it would have. be so good to have Pogaccia at the Tour Down Under. I can remember <laughs> when Esteban Chavez came. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the smiling assassin. He had personality. Everybody loved him. And I put uh, Pogacar in that same sort of category. He would be a huge hit. Now, I'm not sure exactly what the South Australia budget uh, curtails, but mm-hmm. throw as much money at Pogacar as possible. Bring him out, Stewie. He'll be a well, big I'm hit. I'm trying, Tomo, but as he would have obviously remembered, do you remember what his first race was this year? Strata Bianca, I'll help you out. So he didn't have his first bike race until March. Hmm. So, you know, they've gone a very different tactic this year. Um, You know, I mean, he didn't even race the UAE tour, which is Mm, where he's getting all his salary from. So they've taken a very different approach. So for him to come to TDU, trust me, um, I'm always looking at bringing the best riders down to Adelaide, but it's also, you know, Walt Van Aert and Marianne Voss and these guys as well. But... But they do cyclocross in Holland as well. So there's a lot of 
it's not just throwing a checkbook at these guys or you know ne- negotiating to come down SA and try the best wines in the world. Um, you know, and riding around in summer, it's also got to fit into their program. Next year's an Olympic year, 2024. That's also going to play a big part of uh, next year's calendar and, and people's planning. So, look, I'm doing what we can and we'll always bring the best riders that we can to Adelaide. How come you got rid of the prologue? I loved the prologue last year, something different. I know it rained on the day and it would have sort of dampened the crowds, but it was sort of interesting and different. Was there a reason you got rid of it? Um, look, I don't think get rid of it. it's the right word. I think we just we a brought it in. It was year. a great, you know, just I think it's something I'm liking the idea. It was incredibly positive feedback from the teams, actually. Um, my heart was broken a bit with the weather, definitely dampened yeah, my soul. But, just, oh, but you know, what it brought it. a different dynamic to the race. And, mm. you know, although they're not on TT bikes, whatever, it's still bike, man, and yeah, versus the clock. Exactly. So it definitely hasn't gone. Um but it's also it's just got to fit in right with uh, the design of the race, um, and it'll probably be every couple of years we'll find it. Was it tr- was it true that you were going to get rid of the crit this year or next year? Sorry, was it true you were sort of looking to get rid of that? No, I mean we, we're just trying different formats. So mm-hmm. um, for next year, it was was important to give the women's race their own focus yes. and their own time yep. slot. So having the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Although they don't have a crit on the Saturday, I think the World Tour stage race is probably more important than a one-hour crit. Uh, the men still have the little hit out, um, but the women will have other opportunities to race criteriums in between uh, the TDU and the Cadell's race. So, um, yeah, there certainly won't be a lack of opportunity for the girls to race. And so, Stu, um, just oh, you go ahead, Hollywood. You go ahead, Matilda. You go. Oh, I was just going to say, I know you're going to uh, probably Hollywood talk about congrats on bringing back Wollonga. Um, uh, we certainly missed that stage, but I was curious and, and fantastic to see it in obviously the women's um, stages. I was interested that it's not finishing on Wollonga uh, for the men's race. What, yeah, what's the thinking behind that and to be finishing on Mount Lofty, which we saw last year? Yeah, I, like, I really like the uh, the Mount Lofty circuit finish. I think it's just a super dynamic circuit. It's it's entertaining. It's exciting. Wollonga obviously has a lot of history in the event, but you know there's only probably a hand or five or six guys that can win up Wollonga. Mm. Um, so the last weekend is kind of designed to a create a really exciting final weekend. So we've got obviously two ascensions of Wollonga Hill on the Saturday. But then it also just gives a little opportunity for guys to throw everything that they can at them if they're not wearing ochre on the Sunday. And I think it's just a, yeah, look, it's just um, just to shake it up a bit. Every year will be different. Um, I loved the Mount Lofty finish. Mount Lofty is our most iconic climb, to be honest. Uh, Wollonga is for cycling, but, um, and also a little bit more central, uh, a bit closer to the CBD. It also attracts a lot more people in the Adelaide Hills. Um, mm. So look, you know, every year is going to be different. I think Wollonga Hill has obviously a special place, but just like Alpes in the Tour de France, it doesn't have to be in every year. Tell me something. There's just one thing that bugs me. It's been for years. <laughs> is there anything we can do about oh, that fucking song? The song. Feel the rush. <laughs> can we modernise it? Can we give it, can we update it? Give it a, a modern beat? That fucking song, I hated it. It just needs to be be updated or changed can you do something oh, i'm here to i'm here to work on the best race possible not too much about <laughs> Holly, well, you're talking to the wrong man 
Oh, yeah. but he's the boss. He's the boss. Maybe, yeah, maybe. He's, not, he's the boss of the race. Yeah, there are other people the, you should direct a question to. Stewie, on more um, important yep. th- things, the um, <laughs> if I bring you back, on, it is on. It does. It definitely feels like Tour Down Under that song. But uh, the the women's race, um, you know, last year I guess we finished it a little bit and really felt like yearning for more. Where, do you mm. see it being able to go from like how, what do we need to do to get it to be more than three stages or is is just the restriction and the police and the safety yeah what can you see it going oh, to there's, four there's, five there's a stages? lot of things at the moment I mean um, a, it's the cost of the event I think that's just upfront um, number one I think uh, you know the cost of event as we all know mm. the price of life is probably about thirty percent higher uh, travels everything accommodation you name it, it's gone through the roof. Um, the government have been, you know, phenomenal in already their support. So, uh, and so have all our major sponsors. So um, we can't just go bang all in and kind of have everything, all our dream list of dreams, which I've certainly got and I'm pushing for. Um, so look, we're, we're constantly looking at growing the TDU across, uh, especially the women's. Um, and believe me, I'm pushing very hard in the background to, to do things and, and provide them with the best possible stage to perform and the event will only get bigger and better. Mm, great news, great news. Let's just quickly go back to the Tour de France. I, it was remiss of me not to give uh, the overall standings uh, for those trying to catch up. Jonas Vingegaard is on top, but the margin at the top is just 25 seconds to Pogaccia. Jai Hendley, I won't call him a loser. He fought tooth and nail, but he's down to third place. <laughs> and I guess uh, many are saying he is the best of the rest. And that's a fair description. He's at 134. Um, and you talked about, you spoke about the um, the time gaps already, Stewie. Simon Yates is out at uh, 314. He's in fourth place. Carlos Rodriguez is at 330. And Adam Yates is in sixth position at three minutes and 40 seconds. And, and you said it before, those time gaps after just six stages, they were unheard of. Yeah. In, in in years gone by. Yeah, look, it's already um, you know the cat's been thrown amongst the pigeons, that's for sure. So, but also provide this provides opportunity, provides opportunities for attacks in the next two weeks. Um, these one or two teams aren't going to be able to control this race at the rate of knots it's going at. You know, already today, um, you know, Jai was isolated uh, coming into the bottom of the last climb. I think he had one more rider left and. Um, you know, UAE didn't have many that I remember seeing mm. either. Although I was riding up the Tormlay myself, not far ahead, so I didn't see the full coverage and I was probably recovering for an hour after. But, um, you know, the guys are certainly burning their soldiers pretty quickly. So, mm. I, you know, although it is a two-horse race, as Hollywood said before, I think this also provides good opportunities for, you know, for an aggressive race. I think everyone mm. just needs to calm the, calm the farm mm. and take a few <laughs> breaths and... Just let a breakaway go, you know, and yeah. take a few minutes and uh, that's what I'd be doing. But these guys don't seem to want to give up that yellow jersey. It's like they just uh, want to keep it every day, which is quite surprising when you see how difficult it is. Well, as a spectator and a television viewer, it's great to see. The Pog actually said at the, at the end, he said, even though he's down by 25 seconds, the time gap uh, is almost perfect. Um, yeah. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but he's, he, he looks satisfied. He was quite relieved when he crossed the finish line and uh, saw that interview that he <laughs> that uh, he produced uh, afterwards. So uh, he's in a good place, I think, the Pog. 
Yeah, look, he, you know, why wouldn't he be? He just, he, mm. again, he, he upstaged the, you know, the supremely strong Jumbo Visma team and they threw everything at it today. Uh, you know, Sepp Kuss broke the Strava record up uh, peak yesterday, Merry Peak, and, mm. you know, averaging 23k an hour. Today they averaged, I think it was almost 23k up, up at Tourmalay. Um, oh, you know, so and- they're, they're leaving nothing <laughs> to hide. So... Look, let's just sit back, enjoy the show, and thank God we're not out there facing him. <laughs> <laughs> and, Stu, one thing before you go, um, there's been a huge amount of discussion throughout this year and, and possibly prior to that around safety in races. It seems to be probably one of the biggest discussion points, um, particularly even in the women's, and obviously we've seen absolute devastation in the men's racing um, this year. I'm curious from a you know race director's standpoint what that looks like uh, for you guys um, and you know your perspective on that and just how enormous that is for you because it's so easy for a fan to look at it and go, how did they not think of that? And why are the barriers zooming in and out? Or there's a car there at 5k to go, mm. whatever it might be. Um, yeah, curious from your end on your perspective of that. Yeah, look, cycling is a dangerous sport. You know, we've been we've been flying down mountains for, for over 100 years. Um, and there's always going to be mistakes, accidents. We're never going to be able to, uh, you know, take away accidents from, from sport whether it be cricket, motorsport, cycling, you know, we're out there amongst the mm-hmm. elements in all kinds of conditions, doing all kinds of crazy speeds with three or four millimetres of rubber and, and, a, and a helmet and a bit of lycra. So things are going to go wrong. There's more, um, you know, things to slow traffic down into cities and a, and a quicker and faster peloton than ever. So as a race director, organiser, all we can do is do everything in our powers to uh, make a safe event. I think the Tour Down Under has got a incredible record um you know we we as a bike an ex-bike rider i'm pretty confident i i know what um you know is is not healthy for for a race um you know but you can't eliminate every descent either Mm. um so we seem to have a lot of um younger riders in the peloton which are going you know almost from almost from junior ranks straight into what the world tour uh, racing the biggest and most experienced riders in the world as well. So there's, there's a lot of spokes in the wheel that, um, you know, we can look at and analyze, but at the end of the day, all, all I can do and all we can do in, in Adelaide is uh, work with the South Australian police force, which are incredible. Um, and, you know, we, we don't, although we have, hills we don't have the major descents but that doesn't mean that things can't go wrong um so we've just got to do whatever we can to to protect the riders um but at the end of the day we're, we're never going to be able to uh, i guess um you know avoid accidents yeah, exactly. in sport well the the, the the tour down under uh if you look at the history it's never had a major a major disaster in terms of accidents with riders. So the safety factor has always been there since 1999 when it started. You agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, we've got an incredible police force. You know, Saipol, um had had a race regulator from Belgium uh, join us, join our team this year. Uh, Tom Miliano, who's raced for 20 years as, as regulator for the Tour of Flanders, and I flew him down to also help coach and and educate our police force guys that have been doing it for 20 years we we skipped two years with with the festival of cycling and I, you know looking at all the little 
what can we do? Um, so, you know, we flew Tom down from Belgium, who was a massive asset to our team. And, you know, kind of everyone needed a little update and a little refresher on, uh, you know, we can't just go around going, oh, well, I've been doing this role for, for 20 years. I know what I'm doing. Um, you know, we're, I'm looking at every detail and as a tour down under team, we're, we're doing everything we can to make sure the race mm. is as safe as possible. Yeah, you're doing a great job, Stewie. And we, uh, we thank you for what you've done so far. It's only been a short reign at the top, but you've, <laughs> you're an ideas man, aren't you? You think outside the square by the sound of it. Hmm. Well, yeah, do. I'd like to think I'd like to think I know a little bit about um, you know racing and what's entertaining and mm. and being from Adelaide, you know, and know all the roads. That's for sure. So, yeah. look, it's just a balancing act of making entertaining racing for the fans, for the people that go out of their way to travel to South Australia, for people that are sitting home anywhere in the world watching the race. I want them to go. You know, I want the riders to go back to the hotel. Going, man, that was a cool stage. Because that's what I'd want. So, yeah. um, look, trying to trying to keep everybody happy and do what we can. <laughs> yeah, well, good luck with that. Uh, and you're over there in France now with Moo Cycling. It's a cycling holiday experience. And you were telling us uh, before we came on air that you've got a dinner tonight. What's all that about? Tell us briefly what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, we've just um, tonight was. Jeez, uh, you're lucky, Tomo, because I've I've uh, left my group dinner farewell dinner to come oh, and join you guys. Thank you, mate. Um, haven't had dinner yet. I think mine's probably oh, gone really? cold, or the person sitting oh. next to me ate it. But that's what I go. That's what I do for you, Tomo. Oh, um, you're a good man, buddy. And no, but today's the last stage of our Bilbo's to Pyrenees um, tour. Uh, the guys have been here for a week, and yeah, they all continue yeah. their oh. travels around. What a the week world to be on! Wow. Yeah, I know it's been uh, pretty cool. A, like, yeah, yeah, what a week! And so before you let you go, Sue, oh, you yesterday go. was yeah. special. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for you to be there at the finish. And so who wins the Tour de France 2023? Oh, geez, you've left the ice question until last, haven't you? It's 15 days to uh, go. Look, I've said Vingegaard from the start. I think I think he will reign. Um, but... Pogs yeah, and assassinate. I, I, I think I think Jai can get on the podium. I think that, mm. A, that's my other call. I reckon, I reckon he's got what it takes. He's just got to, you know, that yellow jersey, um, as, as enormous as it is, it also carries an enormous weight, especially, and I think we all forget this as well, it's his first Tour de France, you know. Um, he'd, his head would still be in the, in the Tormelay clouds. Um, you know, so much has happened. And, you know, when he finally gets a bit of a break and hopefully the race calms down a bit, I think Jai's, he's obviously got the form. Um, I'd prefer be two minutes ahead of the Yates brothers and the guys behind than uh, you know than behind them. So let's a hope for a Heinley podium in Paris. Um, but my money's still on Vingegaard. Yeah, Stewie, That's you cool. go, you hang up, you go to dinner, you enjoy yourself, <laughs> and uh, we can't thank you enough for joining us here on the Domestiques. Uh, we'll wrap it up here. As you, uh, as we bid farewell to you, and uh, uh, for you at home listening, I'm guessing uh, you like what you're listening to, and that being the case, I encourage you to subscribe to the Domestiques, and you can do that on Apple, Spotify, or whatever streaming service you're listening to the podcast. We'd love to get your thoughts on how you feel about having the Domestiques in your life uh, by leaving a review and listening to people like Hollywood uh, use the four-letter word. Uh, but that's okay. We can uh, beat that out. Our listening numbers are increasing, I'm told. So I guess you're enjoying what we deliver when the big cycling events come around. And tell us 
from where you're listening. Um, like this message, I've got a message here from a listener who goes by the name of RK. Not sure where he or she is from, but uh, they've given you a huge rap, Hollywood. RK says this. Uh, he or she says, the show is absolutely unreal. Lee is a certified <laughs> legend and he's so funny. He provides such a great breakdown analysis of the day's so, events. Hollywood, really? Did you pay off Hollywood? Oh, you drag. Is, that, you, you, is you, that Mr. and Mrs. Hollywood writing in? No. You dra- no drag someone around Hellride the other day, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice. Yeah, well, very seriously, nice. thanks, uh, RK, for the message. Uh, um, yeah, so wherever you're listening from, uh, give us a bell. And we've got to thank uh, our major sponsor, Honan Insurance Group. Um, and if you haven't heard, Hollywood has had his car insured by the people at Honan for a long time. Is that right, Hollywood? Right. Yes, yes. My little yellow car is insured by Honan, yes. <laughs> oh, it's a yellow car. Yeah, of course I've got a yellow car. <laughs> yeah, of course car. it is. Yeah, all right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. The Domestics by Black Sheep Sideman.